Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is October the uh, 21st. Goodness, I had a look at my calendar. 2022. Glad you could join me. Happy, as always, to join you. There is so much to discuss this evening, uh, but I am disgusted as we discuss this administration that... um, I mean, what they've done is off the charts, to be blunt about it. Uh, I never thought I would see a day when any administration from either party would do the nonsense uh, and carry out the betrayal against America, Americans, and civil servants that we're seeing by the Biden administration. And I I want to really dig into this. Um, I was on Newsmax TV last Saturday Um, increasingly they're having me on to discuss immigration, which pleases me. And there was a story, and I want to start with this, because I don't care what your political orientation is. I don't care what you believe in anything. But we should be concerned when an administration sets up its own employees for a political stunt. You may remember uh, that a while back, Uh, It was reported that Haitian aliens attempting to enter the United States across the Mexican border were whipped by Border Patrol agents. And it was was a wild accusation perpetrated by Mayorkas, perpetrated by the entire administration and even the President of the United States. We're going to get these guys, and this isn't the way it's supposed to be done, and it went on and on and on and on. And I felt bad for the agents because, let me tell you, when you go out there to make an arrest, you're putting your life on the line, you're putting your career on the line, you're putting your family's well-being on the line, and you want to know that the agency that puts you out there, the government, will stand behind you unless you're doing something wrong. I think that's reasonable, you know, the idea that everyone is innocent until proven guilty No, not if you're on the wrong side of the political aisle and not if you're on the wrong side of the mythology, the lies, the fantasies, and the utter utter BS being perpetrated by this administration. And, you know, it it blew my mind because, and apparently other people, because Fox News reported October the 12th, and, and this was the predication for my appearance at, at, at Newsmax with former Sheriff Clark. It was a quick interview. We tried to cover as much territory as possible. The great thing about having my own radio program, certainly it's not a profit maker. There's no commercials, and I pay for this. But it's about telling the truth. It's about the simple notion of telling the truth. I mean, where have we gone as a country? Um, We'll go into more about the First Amendment, but think about how the media and the various platforms, right, were censoring people for questioning COVID. And now, of course, 
late to the party, even, uh, you know, uh, people like Bill Maher, oh, my God, they lied, they didn't tell the truth, we should ask questions. We should be asking questions about everything. I don't care if it's climate change, I don't care if it's immigration, I don't care whatever it is. It's an absolute right to question our authorities. A government of the people is supposed to answer to the people. Not this administration. Not even close. And the Republicans aren't doing that much better, but they are marginally better as a party. But you have to look at politicians as individuals. I never, ever vote a party line. I vote for people. In fact, Guess who hated the political parties that were coming into being? George Washington himself had a real issue with parties, and so do I. You can't be a slave to two masters. Politicians cannot represent their constituents when they have to answer to the bosses who run their political parties. Think about the position of the Senate whip. If that doesn't sound like a Tony Soprano enforcer, then by gosh, I don't know what does. Uh, so, so therein lies the problem. Um, and and so, so let me be clear about this. The allegations were that the Border Patrol agents whipped Haitian aliens and they were going to be investigated and potentially criminally prosecuted for assault, a violation of civil rights. God only know what witches brew uh, Biden and the corrupt machine that he runs were going to come up with to punish people for doing the dangerous job that's supposed to protect America. And let's remember what the immigration laws are about. The immigration laws are purely about public safety, public health, national security, and the jobs and wages of Americans. There is nothing in the law that makes any differentiation based on race, religion, or ethnicity. And I will tell you, if there was such a differentiation. I could not have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone the 30 years uh, that my career spanned. So there were these pictures of the Haitians being whipped, supposedly. It was actually the Border Patrol on horseback trying to rein in their horses, to control the horses so they wouldn't step on the people. They wouldn't hurt the people. And the way the photograph looked, You know, there was some ambiguity. Well, here is the report, and I'm going to read it to you from Fox News. I I want you to pay attention, because when Mayorkas went before the cameras and talked about how this was another example of systemic racism, another big, fat, juicy lie designed to turn American against American, I I keep coming back to the Holocaust. My family was decimated in the Holocaust, because the Nazi regime turned the German people against Jews and other minorities. Today, this administration is trying to turn America upside down and inside out by vilifying whites uh, and, and other individuals and law enforcement. To say it's scandalous doesn't do it credit. It's an outrageous threat to American democracy. They could say what they want about January 6th, but when you are no longer being treated fairly, and equally, you've got a severe problem. And that's where we are now. We've gone from equality to equity. This isn't just semantics. Pay attention to the words. I'm going to read this article to you. This again, Fox News, Bill Malusian, and Adam Shaw wrote the article. 
exclusive. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was told that the photographer who captured a clash between Border Patrol agents and Haitian migrants in Del Rio had said that the incident was being misconstrued hours, hours before Mayorkas joined a White House press conference where he did not challenge the false narrative. The September 24, 2021 email obtained by the Heritage Foundation via a Freedom of Information Act request shines light onto internal deliberations surrounding the controversy in Del Rio, Texas, where Democrats and the White House pushed a narrative that migrants had been whipped or strapped by Border Patrol agents despite it being quickly debunked. In fact, agents were using split reins to control their horses as migrants rushed across the river, but a narrative based on a misinterpretation of photographs was running and on September 24th was further fueled by President Biden. Quote, to see people treated like they did, horses barely running over people being strapped. It's outrageous, Biden told reporters, making a whipping motion with his hand. I promise you, these people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. He and Mayorkas, however, knew that nobody was whipped. The President of the United States threatens action against federal employees, knowing damn well that what he's claiming was a big, fat lie befitting the con artist that I consider this man to be. It enrages me. I spent 30 years in law enforcement, and I want you to understand something. We are told that if you're driving your car and some lunatic cuts you off or does a brake check and all the crazy stuff that goes on, and i got to tell you, New York, uh, the roads have gone to hell in a handbasket because of the guy that runs New York, uh, Mayor Adams, who was a former police captain, who I can tell you from what I heard from cops that I knew back then because I worked closely with the NYPD before it became verboten, um, he was reviled by the cops. He was no cop's friend, I can tell you from what I heard, and we can see why. So there's mayhem on the roads, mayhem, accidents like you wouldn't believe. People being murdered in the subways, and you have a mayor in New York saying, oh, this is just an illusion. Tell that to the families of the dead. Tell that to the people who were stabbed and shot and somehow managed to survive. It's an illusion. Those aren't bullet wounds. It's an illusion. It's a magic act blows my mind so the point of the matter is when you go out there to make arrests just like you're told when you're driving they tell you when you drive don't make eye contact if someone cuts you off ignore them just back off it's not worth it these people are crazy many of them carry guns without permits by the way although the governor of new york says we've got to protect new yorkers from new yorkers who have guns not the criminals but new yorkers with carry permits so if you have a carry permit you're not allowed to take your firearm on the subways or a bus uh, because those are now declared gun-free zones. They need to tell that to the thugs, that those are gun-free and knife-free zones. We're going to protect New Yorkers by taking people with gun permits who have been screened and trained and keep them from carrying their weapons so that the criminals, I guess, don't have to worry about anything happening to them if they shoot people. There have been a lot of shootings on the subways. I wouldn't take the subway on a bet 
but we're we're going to make sure that people with carry permits don't carry on the subways. Does that make any sense to anybody? This is what we are. We're living in a fantasy world. And I'm a registered Democrat, full disclosure, but this is no longer the Democrat Party. It has become the Deathocrat Party. So we're admonished. Don't make eye contact. Don't allow situations to escalate. The guy cuts you off. Just let him go. As long as there was no accident, say, thank God we're safe, and go on your way. In law enforcement, you don't only make eye contact, you make physical contact. Now, here's another interesting story. There have been police shootings, and some of them not justified. Uh, Some of them justified, but the media misconstrues the facts, just like Mr. Biden, the lies and the nonsense. Any shooting is terrible. Any loss of life for any reason is a tragedy. Let's be super-duper clear on this, okay? But if you look at the shootings, and by the way, more whites than blacks get shot by the police, okay? That's a statistical truth. But let's look at something. What generally precedes a shooting? Usually, a police officer pulls someone over, orders that person out of the car, and the guy resists. A police officer goes to arrest somebody, and that person resists. And then bad things happen. You can't unarrest somebody. I've made lots and lots and lots of arrests, okay? probably in in the thousands if you include the people that I assisted in making their arrests as well. And so you can't say to someone you're under arrest and then say, oh, you don't want to come with me? I was kidding. I I really didn't mean it. Uh, Maybe next week we'll have a conversation. No, it doesn't work that way. Once you tell someone they're under arrest, they're under arrest. And when they resist arrest, now we have a life and death battle because Law enforcement carries firearms. If this guy can overpower that cop or that federal agent, he can gain access to a gun and kill people, whether it's the agent, whether it's the civilians, whether it's your partner. So resisting arrest is serious. But with this entire insanity of criminal justice reform that was supposed to only involve nonviolent criminals, right? And how quickly did that lie uh, prove to be a lie? It was supposed to be, well, you got a guy, you caught him for speeding, he can't post a $300 bail, uh, he shouldn't be having to sit in jail because he's poor. And maybe that's right. You know, we could have that conversation. But that's not what they've turned it into. Rob a store, pull out a gun, but as long as you don't shoot anybody, you're getting released on bail. Really? So they also have a new policy where they won't prosecute people for resisting arrest. Now, this is really dangerous. Why? Because you're now encouraging people to resist officers who are trying to take you into custody. And where do most of the shootings take place? When people resist arrest. It's my contention. Now, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think so, that the people that came up with this lunatic notion that resisting arrest should go unpunished want more shootings, want more dead bodies, want to have more opportunities and more justifications for more riots and more demonstrations and more lawsuits. This is about the disintegration of society, of our criminal justice system. Okay? That's what I believe is happening. Because when you look at this danger posed by resisting arrest, they should be increasing the punishment, not taking away punishment. Why in the world would you want to encourage people to resist arrest when we know 
that that is where most of the confrontations that result in shootings occur. You have to come to the conclusion that this is a willful act, carefully thought out like a chess game, that if we can get more people to resist arrest, we can have more shootings and reasons for more riots and more demonstrations and more anger and more rage uh, that plays out in this kabuki theater that we call our political leaders today. I can't come to any other conclusion. This is wrong-headed, it is dangerous, and it will lead to tragedies. But they don't seem to care. No one seems to care that 100,000-plus people died of fentanyl. I mean, really? And the Republicans are upset? I'm sure they are. But if you're upset, why aren't you running commercials on television? Forget the campaign nonsense. Yes, we hear from you because elections are coming, and the, the, the commercials run end-to-end and back-to-back, and they're sickening. And it's outtakes and carefully edited sound bites and all this other nonsense. Is that any way to do a job interview? I mean, really, that's what you're talking about is a job interview. Imagine if you went for a job and you told your prospective employer, hire me because the other guy is a crook and an imbecile and he has sex with his kids. I don't know, whatever. Make something up. No, that's not how you get a job. You show your prospective employer how talented and conscientious and industrious you are, how decent and honest you are. You don't run around saying, well, who's also interviewing for the job? I'll tear him down or I'll tear her down. No, you're supposed to go there and and tell the employer why you're the best candidate for the job. When was the last time you saw a commercial for a politician that focused on the achievements and qualifications without even talking about the other opponents? It's a food fight. And that's why you don't get the world's best and brightest or America's best and brightest to want, run, want to run for public office. Who wants to roll around in the mud with these clowns? It's insanity. It's insanity. So let's stop some of those darn commercials and run commercials warning people that fentanyl is being disguised as candy or being descri- disguised as legitimate pharmaceuticals and warn people about addiction. In New York, They have signs up in the subways, the place that I wouldn't go to if you paid me, about how to use illegal drugs safely. Cocaine, heroin, crack, meth, they're all illegal. It's a felony to possess them, but there are signs on the subways telling people how to use the drugs safely. How many people die from drug overdoses? How many people die because someone is strung out and desperate for a fix and has no money and commits a violent robbery or a violent crime to get their hands on the money so they can buy drugs. How many keep people get behind the wheel of a motor vehicle under the influence and mow people down and kill and cripple innocent people? How much violence is attributable to the gangs that are fueled by the drugs that fund all of their nonsense and the drug money is funding terrorism as well? When was the last time you saw a single commercial from anybody warning about the dangers of drug addiction, the way they did with cigarettes, the way they're doing now with vaping. Those cigarette commercials were super effective. When was the last time you saw a good commercial warning about meth, warning about crack, warning about fentanyl? None. Why? Because if you took the drug money out of Wall Street banking and real estate, they'd go belly up. Money by the billions are laundering through those industries And people are dipping into that trough and becoming filthy rich. And I mean filthy rich because that money is filthy. It's soaked in blood. 
then what are we doing about it? What are we doing to stop the fentanyl? Some local officials put up cargo containers to block the border, and the Biden administration wants the containers removed to open up the border. And then you hear the nonsense from the Democrats, we need to screen the vehicles better coming through ports of entry because we know that the vehicles, many of them have the drugs, and we're not stopping every car with drugs. Probably true. And the cargo containers are coming into Port Elizabeth here in New Jersey. They're coming in all over the country. The seaports have cargo containers that look like some kid took all of his Legos and, 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 and put them out. Drugs are coming in that way, sure. Drugs are coming across the Canadian border. Drugs are coming in through the international airports. But what do we hear about? The Mexican border. I, I wrote about it. My most recent article for Front Page Focus on how the Mexican border, bad as it is, is only the tip of Biden's immigration iceberg. But do you not think drugs are pouring across the border at other than ports of entry so no one even knows that this garbage is getting in or that these people are getting in? But all you're hearing from the politicians, they've got to tighten up the process at ports of entry. Okay, and what happens when vehicles and people get across the border outside a port of entry? Because that was the purpose to the wall. The border wall was not designed to stop people from entering the United States. Right? It was just designed to force everyone to go through a port of entry so they could be screened and we can create a record of entry. How was that anti-immigrant? You go to a baseball game, you go to a football game, you're expected to go through a gate, not traipse across the field or jump over the wall of the stadium. Is that anti-fan to expect you to go through a gate and buy a ticket and maybe go through a metal detector? That's anti-fan? Of course not. So why is it anti-immigrants who expect aliens entering the country and cargo coming into the country to go through a port of entry? That's what we're talking about here. The Republicans would not fund Trump's border wall either. They're all in on this. It's all kabuki theater. They're all bought and paid for, and Trump was the first one to stand up and utter that one word, the S word, that terrified everybody. Sovereignty. Sovereignty. A country has to have borders, and we have to know who's coming in. Sovereignty. And boy, did they sharpen the knives. I didn't always agree with Trump. But by the way, isn't it interesting that when you hear from the radical lunatics on the left, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, followed by the quote, nobody is above the law. Letitia James, the attorney general for New York, says, I am the people's attorney. Nobody is above the law. Really? I got an interesting question for Letitia and for all the people on the radical lunatic left. Nobody is above the law. Explain to me sanctuary cities. Explain to me how you want millions of people to violate the immigration laws. And if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, if you read my articles, I very often include a link to that section of law because it enumerates the categories of aliens to be kept out. Okay? So if nobody's above the law, why are you aiding and abetting and harboring and shielding and transporting aliens who violate the law if nobody's above the law? And why do you have mayors providing municipal ID and giving orders to the local law enforcement to not cooperate with immigration when dealing with aliens? If nobody's above the law. If nobody's above the law, 
why do you have governors providing driver's licenses to people who are, quote, undocumented, which means you can't prove who the hell they are? And we know that around the world, motor vehicles are the weapon of choice for terrorists, not airplanes, cars, trucks, buses, etc. The bombing at the Trade Center in 93 involved an illegal alien who rented a truck and another illegal alien who drove the truck into the garage of the Trade Center. They set off the bomb in 1993. They killed six, injured over a thousand, and inflicted a half billion in damages to the Trade Center. Their goal was to knock the towers down. They were hoping to kill 250,000 people. 250,000. And engineers who did the investigation said that if they had filled the truck to the top with explosives or parked it on the opposite wall, they might have succeeded in knocking down one of the towers into the other tower. Nobody would have gotten out. It would have ruptured the seawall. All of lower Manhattan would have flooded. Gas lines would have ruptured. It would have looked like a horror movie, but it would have been real. No special effects needed. Nobody's above the law. Really? You have people rioting throughout America, burning down stores, burning down cities. You had politicians from the radical left bailing out the rioters. arson and shooting and attacks and assaults are crimes. But we're told nobody's above the law. Well, are they above the law? Are the illegal aliens flowing freely into America, their identities unknown and unknowable? Apparently, they're above the law, because if they weren't above the law, you'd stop them and you'd do everything in your power to stop them, and you should. It's not anti-immigrant. It's the way you protect a nation. The primary mission of our armed forces, all branches, is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, guess who gets the job? The Border Patrol and ICE. And they have been neutered. And that was why Biden did what he did. That's why Mayorkas did what he did. It wasn't about those agents only. This was a message to every federal officer engaged in immigration law enforcement. You go out there and you do your job and we will do everything in our power to arrest you, prosecute you, fire you. We will ruin your life. How dare you enforce those laws? Even as they tell us that nobody is above the law. It blows my mind, but it gets worse. Because it was recently reported that ICE had a union that has been dismantled by the Biden administration. The Biden administration that claimed that it was the most pro-union administration in the history of the world disbanded the ICE union. Now, conservatives hate unions. I understand. Let me tell you, the ICE union, federal unions, do not determine wages. That's done by Congress. That's done by the administration. So this isn't about money. What this is about is that the ICE union represented employees who were accused of wrongdoing. Now, if they're guilty, they're guilty. It's like any other violation of law, right? You have your day in court. You have your day of hearings. They decide whether or not did you really violate the law, like the Border Patrol agents. Did you violate the law or didn't you? So you gather up all the facts, and then you come up with a ruling, and if they violated the law, then they face punishment. They could be fired. They could be suspended. They could be demoted. There's all kinds of things. That could... And for those of you who say you can't fire civil servants, wake up. I've been there when people have been fired. 
all these lies and all this garbage has to stop. We have to deal with reality, folks, not fantasies. Not fantasies. And the reason that civil servants are supposed to be isolated from the political machinery is for just that reason. Because civil servants are supposed to be above politics. They're supposed to do a job of enforcing the laws that are on the books. When you take an oath, and I did, the law doesn't say, I will defend the Constitution where the, where the, oh, but only for the parts that I agree with. This isn't the menu. You're not going into a restaurant and saying, gee whiz, do I want soup or do I want salad? What's the soup of the day? Eh, I think I'll stick with the salad. It doesn't work that way. The Constitution has to be defended in its entirety. The laws have to be enforced altogether. That's just the way it works. And if you don't think you can do that, that's cool. You know, if you can't stand the sight of blood, don't become a surgeon. Just a little bit of advice. If you have a problem with uh, high altitude, don't become a pilot, okay? There are certain jobs that you shouldn't have if you have issues with them, and that's cool because one size does not fit all. If you don't think you could objectively and fairly enforce laws, then you don't belong in the profession known as, this may be a shocker, but we call it law enforcement. And it's not selective. And Lady Justice wears a blindfold. Not for Biden, it doesn't. Not for Kamala Harris, it doesn't. Not for Mayorkas, it doesn't. But Lady Justice is supposed to wear a blindfold. Why? So that it should not matter, your race, religion, ethnicity, whatever. Accused of a crime, you should get the same level of defense and justice and due process as anybody else, irrespective of what I call superficial issues, race, religion, ethnicity, etc. Okay? That's how it's supposed to work. So the idea is, the union is supposed to defend employees. And if it turns out that the employee is exonerated, as was the case with the Border Patrol agents, then they go back to work and, and the game is over. That's how it's supposed to work. And the union has another important job. So for those of you who hate unions, wake up and smell the coffee because you're getting it sideways. The union officials legally can go to the media and hold a news conference and say, you know what, the administration is doing terrible things, and this is what they're doing wrong. The union can be a whistleblower. And what did Biden do? Mr. Pro-Union, rah, 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 got rid of the ICE union. Why? He doesn't want ICE agents defended, and he sure as hell doesn't want anyone to tell the truth about the garbage that he's doing to America and Americans. So he had to shut down the one outfit that were responsible for the defense of ICE agents and for telling the American people the truth, the ICE union. Now you put that all together. False allegation about Border Patrol agents to have a chilling effect on all agents and then shut down the union that would have been in the position to hold a news conference and defend the agents who are falsely accused. Government of the people, by the people? Really? You sure? And then under Obama, and I'm sure it's Biden as well, we're, we're told we're going to have a conference with stakeholders on immigration. Really? They did not, this is Biden, Obama rather, did not want anyone from the unions to be at meetings 
where they were discussing strategies and policies on immigration. You would think that the civil servants who were charged with enforcing and administering the laws are stakeholders, right? That's what they do for a living. The American people are stakeholders because these laws are supposed to protect us, protect our safety, protect our health, and protect the jobs and wages of Americans. So you would think the American citizens are stakeholders. No. Who are the stakeholders? The nonprofits who make millions of dollars as these illegal aliens flow across the border, the immigration lawyers who are feeding at the trough, these nonprofits we've mentioned, and the immigration attorneys. And let's face it, many members of Congress are lawyers. Many of them practice immigration law, and if they haven't, probably get money from immigration lawyers or the American Immigration Lawyers Association. So those are the stakeholders, and for you American saps, ha <laughs> lots of luck. Lots of luck. So that was part of the program that I did for Newsmax, but it started out with Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris, this is important, made the point that it was Trump who broke the immigration system because when the Biden administration came in, the first laws they proposed was to provide a pathway to citizenship for all these illegal aliens. And and Dave Clark, Sheriff Clark got it wrong. He said, well, there's already a pathway. No, there's not. This is called amnesty. America allows aliens to get citizenship in greater numbers than all the rest of the world combined. In a typical year, I don't know what the COVID numbers look like, but in a typical year, more than a million aliens get U.S. citizenship. A million. I'm sorry, get resident alien status. And usually about 700, 800,000 aliens naturalize every year. Again, I don't know what the latest numbers look like. They may be lower because of COVID. But we're talking about a huge number of people. But the idea of giving U.S. citizenship to aliens whose identities and backgrounds aren't being verified is dangerous, super dangerous. And in fact, there was a case, let me get into this with you, and, and here's the interesting press release. First of all, this press release um, was not issued by, by the National uh, Justice Department. It was issued by the district uh, in the Northern District of New York, the local U.S. attorney. You would think, you would think that Maine Justice would be crowing. We caught a guy who lied on his application for citizenship. Didn't do that. It was the, Southern, the Northern District of New York that did, and the headline was Syracuse Man Sentenced for Naturalization Fraud. And it starts out by saying, Syracuse, New York, Fadl Mohammed Al Arbi, age 51 of Syracuse, was sentenced today in federal court to a $10,000 fine and two years of supervised release following his conviction for naturalization or naturalizing contrary to law and submitting a false statement in a passport application. He was from Yemen. Yemen has a connection to terrorism. It's one of the so-called special interest countries. So now the question is, why would somebody lie on an application for a passport and for U.S. citizenship, especially once the guy had a green card, which he also got by lying? He claimed that his uncle had been his father. The uncle died, but his uncle had become a citizen, and as a result, 
he claimed that he acquired citizenship through his father, except it wasn't his father, it was his uncle, and no such provision in law exists. So by misidentifying his uncle as his father, he became a resident alien and then became a U.S. citizen. You can understand resident alien. That means he can travel in and out of the country. It means he can work. He's got everything he wants. That's the key to the kingdom. But he went further and filed more paperwork, which means more opportunities for the fraud to be caught, and it was, and became a U.S. citizen and got a U.S. passport. President Trump is the first president that I'm aware of who actually created a specific office to hunt down immigration fraud where citizenship was involved. Why? Well, when our guys raided the bin Laden compound, they found, among other things in his library, a copy of the 9-11 Commission report, and I hate to be repetitive, but I provided testimony to the commission, and an application for U.S. citizenship. Many terrorists have been told by their handlers, if you read the reports and read through the indictments and so forth, their handlers tell them, keep a low profile, be quiet, smile at everybody, play nice guy, get your citizenship, get your U.S. passport, and then you can come to the Middle East and, and you could serve our purposes. Why? Because when you have two passports, because they retain their original passport, their original citizenship, you have two passports, you have two separate identities. You can even change your name when you naturalize. And the passport that you get only reflects your new name. So you have criminals and terrorists putting themselves in their own witness protection program. And when I discussed this at congressional hearings where I testified, pretty much all I got was a shrug and the suggestion that, gee, we should probably look into it. When I appeared with Michael Chertoff at Chapman Law School out in California, uh, gosh, about 12 years ago, and I raised the issue, he said to me, Mr. Cutler, you don't know how political that is. How political what is? Adding the original name of the person on his U.S. passport so when he travels we know who we're dealing with? Seriously? That's political? This is insanity, and we're getting the insanity from both sides of the political aisle. So when you have that passport, you're able to travel around the world and conceal your true identities, and perhaps if you've changed your name, get past the screening process as you enter other countries because they don't know you naturalized. So they know your original name. They don't know your new name. So this guy becomes a U.S. citizen and uh, basically gets a slap on the wrist. Why? And why is it main justice jumping up and down? And how many more are there out there? And these are never portrayed generally as, as immigration cases. Okay. This is nuts. This is about national security. And in fact, Mayorkas, and I wrote about it for Front Page Magazine, not long ago said that his policy will be to ignore, ignore people who lie on applications for United States citizenship. Now that you're an American, we will protect you. Really? If you lie and you get citizenship by lying, you're not a citizen. And, in fact, they, they mentioned in this press release that this guy's citizenship was being revoked. So who are we protecting? Mayorkas actually came out and said that we will protect people even if they lie on applications for U.S. citizenship. Does that make America a safer country, or does it endanger our safety? You figure that one out. I don't think you have to dig deep to figure that one out. So specifically, 
<clears throat> this administration has no interest in pursuing naturalization fraud, even though it was identified by the 9-11 Commission as a key issue involving national security. Well, you know, there's a saying, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Uh, I, I wonder what Mr. Mayorkas thinks about that quote. So let's move on. One of my buddies sent me a very disturbing um Bear me one second. By the way, they said that when Trump gave his orders about vetting aliens, 72 terrorists came from the countries that we were able to identify back then. We know this is a serious problem. Okay? So a, a while back, I arrested an article about a woman who has had death threats from Iran um, a year ago, and she lives in Brooklyn. A year ago, Four men were going to abduct her and ship her by boat, because she lived near the, near the beach here in Brooklyn, to Venezuela. And from Venezuela, they would probably fly her to Iran, where they would imprison her, torture her, execute her. God only knows what they were going to do to her. Luckily, they were stopped. So this year, August of this year, here's the headlines from the Times of Israel. Armed man arrested after trying to gain access to Iranian dissidents' home in New York City. So here we go again. Suspicious individual caught on camera looking through the windows, trying to open the door at the home of Masi Alenajad, who has since moved to safety. A man armed with an AK-47 rifle was arrested on Thursday outside the New York home of an American-Iranian journalist, <coughs> pardon me, who was the target of a kidnapping plot last year. Khalid Mediev was seen behaving suspiciously outside the home of Iranian dissidents, and for two days last week, on Thursday, he parked his Subaru Forester outside her home and was said to peek through the windows. He was pulled over and arrested by New York City police for running a stop sign and driving without a valid license. Law enforcement found in his possession, in a suitcase, a loaded rifle and $1,100 in $100 bills. He's since been charged with the possession of a firearm and with an obliterated serial number. Interesting, right? AK-47, you know, we've got to get rid of the guns. That is being held without bail. Um, now, what's really ama amazing, the woman, Alenijad, who's really heroic, said, I came here in America to be safe, and first they were trying to kidnap me, and now I see a man with a loaded gun trying to enter my house. I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking, okay? But what they didn't tell you is that the, this guy was an alien. From the from um, goodness gracious, I just lost my place. But uh, Azerbaijan, okay, and he had an employment authorization document that expired, so he was known to immigration. Why did they give him permission to work? Had he applied for a green card? Had he applied for a visa? Had he applied for? How did he enter the country? In order to be in this country, <clears throat> in order to go to that woman's house. Somehow he had to enter the United States. I could not find a single article, <clears throat> pardon me, that addressed the issue of how he managed to enter the country or why he was given employment authorization by Mayorkas's Homeland Security Department. This is an immigration story. Was it portrayed as an immigration story? Absolutely not. By the way, an illegal alien in possession of a firearm is looking at 10 years in jail. 
That's an immigration-related crime. No word about immigration. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep right on moving, okay? But now I just get another interesting story. Uh, one of my buddies just sent me this. Let me let me pull this up on my computer. Bear with me one moment. Um, forgive me. I'm going to have to dig into my computer to get this for you. But apparently, a couple of people from China were looking to force Chinese dissidents who had gotten asylum in America to force them to go back to, guess where? China. Okay? Now, why in the world is this happening? Well, these people had to come to America in order to do this. And I've written articles about it because this is not a new occurrence. This is not even close to a new occurrence. And so, here we go. Epic Times reported, and here's the story on Epic Times. Forgive me for needing a bit of time to get to this. Uh, this report was just issued October 20th, yesterday. Seven indicted an alleged CCP, that's Communist Chinese Party plot, to force U.S. residents to China. And the story, this report begins, seven people, including two New York residents, have been indicted in, in connection with an alleged plot by the Chinese regime to coerce a dissident in the United States to return to China, the Justice Department announced on October 20th. <clears throat> and Quan Tong, 55, and his daughter, and Quan Tai, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, and his daughter, and Wan Yang, 34, of Roswell, New York, were arrested on the morning of October 20th and were due to appear before the district court for the Eastern District of New York for an arraignment hearing, um, and the remaining five dissident, uh, defendants are at large in China, and we don't have extradition with China, so the likelihood that they'll be punished uh, is not existent. But the idea is that six of the defendants were charged with conspiracy to act as illegal agents for China. And uh, it goes on and says the lead defendant allegedly acted under the direct orders of various CCP officials in, in order to conduct surveillance on the Chinese national and engage in a campaign to harass and coerce the individual back to China as part of an extra-legal effort known as Operation Fox Hunt. Operation Fox Hunt. They've done this to many Chinese people. This is an immigration story. Because no one's talking about how these two alleged perpetrators happen to be residents of the United States. Were they born here? Did they come here? If they came here, did they have visas? Did they run the border? Do they have green cards? Did they ever become American citizens? No one's talking about it. Is this an immigration story? You're damn right it is. See? And as alleged, this is reading the article, the defendants engaged in a unilateral and uncoordinated law enforcement action on U.S. soil on behalf of the government of the People's Republic of China in an effort to cause the forced repatriation of a U.S. resident to China. And they've done this time and time again. In fact, there was another story about how a naturalized Chinese citizen became a member of the New York City Police Department, was assigned to a precinct in Queens that has a large Chinese population, and was looking to recruit spies for China because he was the community affairs officer for that precinct in a heavily Chinese neighborhood. Is that an immigration story? Of course it was. 
the guy probably lied in order to become an American citizen so that he could become a cop and, and do all the other things that he did. These are immigration stories. They're not being portrayed that way. And when you look at the polls with the elections coming, what do they say? Immigration is fifth. Immigration is sixth <clears throat> on the areas of concern. What are the American people worried about? Inflation. Do you not think flooding America with people leads to inflation because everybody's here, needs food and clothing and shelter and transport? Well, supply and demand. You're increasing the demand. You increase the price. People are worried about crime. Well, look at fentanyl. Look at the gangs. Look at criminal aliens. Why do people come here illegally? Most come because they're poor and they couldn't get a visa because it's obvious they'd come to work and take jobs, which, by the way, is also not being pursued by the Biden administration, even though, you know what I'm going to say, nobody's above the law. Really? Well, you can hire illegal aliens without fear. You can do it with impunity. And the aliens can take a job with impunity, which knocks Americans and lawful immigrants out of the box. But that's okay, even though nobody's above the law. So what are we doing? What are we doing? And it was originally the Republicans who wanted all that cheap labor. Remember? The Republicans want the cheap labor. The Democrats want the votes. Really? At this point, the Democrats, I believe, want to crash the economy to force Americans to look for the government to give them bailouts so they can control the population and impose a one-party government because the republicans don't want to give anybody money the democrats do and if you can get people hooked on government money you will own them and you will win every election and that's what biden's doing the student loans and all the other garbage destroying america's emergency oil reserves to drop the price price of gas Wait till a week after the election when you're probably paying $8 a gallon. God only knows. It's all about manipulating the economy to win elections and consolidate political power. What are we doing? What we really need to do is sit down with our neighbors and have a serious conversation. Forget about Democrat. Forget about Republican. Focus, ladies and gentlemen, on the issues. If you don't think that the murder of over 100 million Americans, 100,000 Americans, forgive me for that, 100,000 Americans with fentanyl is an attack on America. You're crazy. During the Second World War, Japan took a bunch of balloons, attached explosives to the balloons, and floated them up into the air. And many of them were lost at sea, but a number of them did get to its destination or their destination, which was California. And they started fires. A couple of people were killed. And it was seen as an attack on America. And it was. They were using balloons to bomb America. America is being bombed to the tune of 100,000 dead a year. And everyone is going about saying, well, it's kind of bad. Wish it didn't happen. Stuff happens. We lost 3,000 people on 9-11, and we're losing over 100,000 to fentanyl. How many more people are dying, as I pointed out earlier, because of addiction, because of the drug trade? How many families destroyed? How many careers destroyed? And we're supposed to accept this and not challenge anything unless you want to be bullied and you're going to be accused of God knows what. 
and we still have people who are conservative referring to the Democrats, the lunatic left, as being liberals. And they use idiotic terms like libertards. There's nothing liberal about these lunatics. I'm a liberal. I raised my children to be liberal. And before you get all excited, if you look up liberal, it's a person who understands and accepts the notion that other people have different viewpoints and everyone is entitled to their position and be treated with respect. Okay? We don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. But that's the First Amendment. I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's right. Is that what you're getting out of the lunatic left with their cancel culture and with censorship and the, and the various uh, social media? Of course not. So what makes them liberal? They're not. But when you call them liberals, there are people who don't understand language, don't understand politics. And they say, gee whiz, I'm a liberal. I guess they represent my interests. And they don't. You're giving your adversaries a level of credibility they should not have. And that's on us. Words matter. Concepts matter. And the other side has gotten very good at the name game. Now what we're hearing is the people being led across the border are asylum seekers. They don't qualify for asylum. But this gives them that level of credibility. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And Americans are sympathetic and compassionate. And by the way, why would anybody use the term bleeding heart liberal? Who do you want for a friend, a cold-hearted SOB or somebody who's compassionate? The problem is the compassion should apply to Americans before it applies to anyone else, just as a family takes care of their own family members, their own children, before they worry about feeding anyone else. Right? But being compassionate is not a vice, it's a virtue. And, and people on the right, oh, those people are bleeding heart liberals. Really? Is that the best you can do? Do you think that's going to win anybody over? The problem is that they don't care about Americans. That's the issue for the radical lunatics on the left. They don't care about Americans. They don't care about America. And we should. And if you sit down with your fellow American, and I don't care what their political orientation is, I promise you, you will find that we agree on much more than we disagree about. And when we disagree, that's our birthright. We forgot how to debate. I was going to teach debate on the college level. Debate is intellectual capitalism. You bring your ideas to the debate, and then whoever wants to buy your idea or your opponent's idea makes a decision, just like a free market. That's what debate is. People are entitled to disagree. And I don't care if it's about debate, about abortion. I don't care if it's about the Second Amendment. Everything is up for discussion. That's how it works in a country that truly has a First Amendment and celebrates freedom of speech. Let's be careful how we define ourselves, our adversaries, and our arguments. Why would anybody not want to make certain that we don't permit criminals or terrorists into the country, people with dangerous diseases, people who would take the jobs that Americans need. What are we doing? If you can't defend your country, it begins by not being able to keep out those who would do harm to your country or those who would do harm to your citizens. And as individuals, we practice good common sense. That's why every door comes equipped with a peephole a door lock, and a doorbell. Why? 
that a stranger rings the bell or knocks on the door, you look through the peephole, and you ask them, who are you? Why do you want to come in? And then you decide whether they pose a threat. And if you don't want to let them in, you don't have to. That's common sense. That's how countries operate. When I helped Arizona with that lawsuit over SB 1070 that went to the Supreme Court, and by the way, we did win a couple of points there. I was strongest on this notion that police have every right, in, in fact, a mandate, uh, it's a mandate to identify the people you stop in the course of routine patrol, right? You've got to know who you're dealing with, for officer safety, public safety, and to carry out your job. And if you're going to give someone a ticket, it means you believe they're going to show up in court. Otherwise, you should be taking them into custody, right? So th this is common sense kind of stuff. But when I helped Arizona, I described my first four years with the old INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, as the time that I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. That's what we're talking about. The globalists are telling you that you have no right to a front door, that you have no right to deny anybody entry. Does that make sense? Do you think that will end well for America or Americans? The fundamental question that we should be asking every politician who runs for office on any level of government the fundamental question, how are your policies good for the average American, period? Are we hearing any of those questions being asked from the media? And they ask their questions in a way where the White House press secretary is able to worm through the holes. You know, why were those flights coming in at 3 in the morning? The better question is, why are you doing this? How is this a benefit to the average American? How does this preserve national security? You see? That's the questions that should be asked. Questions are so important. Lawyers who get the big bucks, when they go into a courtroom, they're making money not because they know the law. Every lawyer knows the law. They make the big bucks because they know what questions to ask, when to ask it, and how to ask it, and what the follow-up question must be. Voltaire was right when he said you judge a person's intelligence by the questions he asks. Think of the questions. If no one's above the law, why do we have sanctuary cities? If no one's above the law, why do we permit mayors to issue sanctuary policies and harbor and shield illegal aliens, which, by the way, is against the law? Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324. So when you hear a politician say no one's above the law, that's your follow-up question. Then how do you account for sanctuary cities and sanctuary policies? Very simple, folks. Pin them down. Elections are coming. It is critical that we enter into conversations, through conversations, with our neighbors. And you know what? If they disagree with you, it doesn't make them your enemy. It makes them your ally if only you can win them over. And I promise you, you can, because democracy is not a spectator sport. That's the job we all must do. I thank you for joining me. Please share this program, the podcast, with as many of your friends as you can. Check out my articles at Front Page Magazine. And I will see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody.